0: You are now listening to the Fantasy Whisper podcast with your hosts, Johnny Game Time Hicks and Big Trabby. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Whispers podcast, take two. For all of <laughs> you that tuned in for the first one and it got cut up, I'm really, really sorry. All I can say to you is this Boy,
1: that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast.
0: Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm really sorry for that. Hopefully, you guys are tuning in now and, and, and coming in. We're going to start the show over. So thank you all for joining us. I want to give a big, big shout out, first and foremost, Travis, before we jump into this show, to my mom. It was her birthday yesterday. I want to give a big birthday shout out. I miss you. I love you. Can't wait to see you again. And then I also want to give a a shout out because in my last video that I did a Facebook live video, I said anybody who would share our video would receive a shout out. So a big thank you. And to Sterling Hicks, you shared the video and you earned that shout out, my brother. All right, Travis, this episode is number eight already. And I've got some big, big news along with my new lab that you see behind you. We got some other big news today, and that is we have officially hit 500 downloads on our podcast. That is just so exciting. Ah, I'm so pumped.
1: Yeah, we're halfway to a thousand. I couldn't be more uh, appreciative to all you guys that are watching right now. All you all of you that download, listen on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, all of you that have visited the website, all of you that have put yourself out there uh, with people that you may not know or friends that you have shared our podcast with. We love you. We thank you. And we can't wait to keep going and keep putting out content for you guys. Absolutely. If this is your first time joining us, Please give
0: us a like and go ahead and go over to our Facebook and just follow us. You'll get notifications every single time when we have a Facebook live event, as well as you can go ahead and check us out on YouTube, Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Download our podcast. Join the many, many that have already downloaded and started listening to us. All right, Travis, are you ready to finally get into this top
1: 10 ranked running back show? Oh, yeah, Johnny. These are the guys that are the most valuable commodity in fantasy football. And these are the most valuable of the most valuable, the one through ten. So let's get going into it.
0: All right. But I got to pause you one more second, my brother. We need to do a little bit of news and notes because we know today a ton of news came out and it just got me ooh, heart racing. I was so pumped reading just the news and notes updates, knowing that we're going to be the first ones to give you guys feedback on that. So, with that said, let's give them a little news and notes. News and notes from around the NFL. All right. So, first up, we have a lot of news about a lot of holds out. We have um, Julio Jones holding out. We have Darnold holding out we have um David Johnson holding out as well Le'Veon Bell Travis what does this do for their fantasy impact heading into the season
1: I just want to clarify that's Aaron Donald holding out not Sam Darnold but yeah yeah Uh, I say Sam Darnold (laughs) you just said Darnold so I just wanted everybody to know uh but either way uh what the big concern would be if if this leaks into deeper into training camp, into preseason and, and things of that nature. Right now, I'm not too concerned. If you look at Le'Veon Bell last year, he did the holdout all the way through, but still came and was ready week one. Um, I imagine that some of these contracts will get worked out and the ones that are not will not last further into the season. If you think about all these holdouts that have happened, not many have leaked into the actual right. regular season in the past few years. All right.
0: And then we have out of Tampa Bay. They expect second round pick Ronald Jones to share the load with Peyton Barber and Charles Sims to play on third downs. Does this drive the draft price and your, uh, your confidence in him down?
1: not really unless we see it once again uh go deeper into the off season and leading up to the regular season. And the reason I say this is is I think that coaches have to say these things in the pressers to motivate these rookies to get them up to that next level. I don't think they they, you know, teams draft these rookies so high to not use them and so it's a way of motivating them and, you know, letting them know like if they, you know, they have a short leash. So all right, and then
0: over in the Denver Post, they expect the Broncos' 2018 backfield to feature a heavy dose of Devontae Booker. Are you buying the hype train?
1: Me personally, a, no. I'm not a, a really one. long hype train there, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> <laughs> um, me personally, no. We saw what Devonte Booker kind of was last year behind that Denver line. I'm interested in see Royce Freeman. I think he's a uh uh more talented back, I think they will use him. And once again, I think it's coach speak to get uh, Royce Freeman motivated to be the guy there.
0: All right. And then we've got Eagles assistant head coach, running back coach, Deuce Staley suggested Jay Ajayi will be the workhorse this season. Does this, rank, does this raise your rankings and your confidence in Jay Ajayi, knowing that that's a really potent offense and a really, really good offensive line?
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of. Uh, here's the thing. LeGarrette blunt has gone, so J.H.I. will be the name starter. He will be the between-the-tackles runner. He will have a full offseason of work with Philly as opposed to just the last seven games or so, of the regular season with them. Um, but I do believe that Philly, a Super Bowl-winning team, realized that they were really good on a running back-by-committee basis. Um, so that being the case, I think that they will stick to a running back-by-committee. An interesting stat is that Doug Peterson in his tenure as the head coach has never had a single rusher go over 173 carries in a year. So he loves to use multiple running backs. He's going to get Sproles back healthy. Corey Clement's still there. But I do like Ajayi to be that first and second down guy and probably a goal line guy as well.
0: All right. And
1: then Jamal
0: Charles as, as well as Terrence West both work out for the Saints knowing that Mark Ingram is suspended the first four weeks, we thought that the uptick would go to Alvin Kamara with or at least we will get into that in a little bit later in our, well, in our section. But does this cause concern for you when you see things like this?
1: Nah, not really. Here's the thing. We're going to get into Kamara later. And I have some interesting stuff to say on him. I think Sean Payton knows he has a, a very special, special back and and a shiny toy and Alvin Kamara and I don't think he's ready to be, or I don't think he wants to be out there saying I'm going to use Alvin Kamara so much more you guys better watch out it's just not smart for him to be saying those things so I think he's out here they're working out veterans to get a change of pace for Kamara they don't want to wear him down before Ingram comes back but I like Kamara to still be as productive and effective as he was last year and get more some more rushing uh, looks i mean he averaged close to six yards per carry last year all right and then the last
0: bit of news and probably the most exciting at least to me tell me if i'm wrong travis andrew luck threw a football and more importantly everyone saw him throw a football today it at practice tape. <laughs> oh my gosh i nearly dropped my phone when i when i watched this video I am. I, I. already told you, I told you in the last episode when we were talking about those quarterback two areas that if Andrew Luck is good to go week one, I have him as quarterback. Travis, this is big news because the last time that he threw a football, the fantasy whispers weren't even a figment of your and I imagination.
1: Yeah, uh, I can't be more excited for Andrew Luck, the person right now. Basically, this is a guy that's been battling the better part of two years just to be able to throw a football. And and that had to have been just a big step in this rehab process. And you have to do the little things first. You have to learn to walk before you can run. And Andrew Luck did that today. He was also quoted in, uh, by ESPN saying that he knows he's going to play week one. He can feel it in his bones. He's not concerned. It's not a maybe. It's not a think. He is dedicated to this process. And he is very sure that he'll be there because you know, we spoke on it last week a little bit. He was very determined on doing it the right way this time because of the botched rehab. So I, I'm really rooting for him, and I'm really excited for his prospects, not to mention T.Y. Hilton and the run game. I mean, this, this trickles down all over the indie uh, fantasy scene.
0: All right, and that's all we've got for the news and notes. Again, thank you. Uh, it's Sleeper Bot. We get all of our news and notes updates from Sleeper Bot as well as we do our mock drafts and our mock draft Mondays on Sleeper Bot. Check it out. All right, Travis, let's finally dive in here. We got our top 10 running backs and we're going to start off the show, or at least I should say, can you start off the show talking about why people should draft Le'Veon Bell as the number one fantasy running back off the board and why we have him as
1: our consensus. Number one, Uh, when you talk about cream of the crop and the brass of this position, you have to talk about Le'Veon Bell. The bottom line is, is he has averaged 24 or more touches in the last five seasons. He's averaged 21.9 points per game over those five years. And if you look at that historically, only LaDainian Tomlinson has ever averaged more than that in their first five years. So you also think about injuries, right? That's the main knock on Le'Veon Bell. Can he stay on the field? Well, he's missed a total of 18 games. And even in that span of those, he's has averaged uh, or he's paced the field with snaps by running backs. And so on average, he gets more uh, 10 more snaps and almost four more touches than any other running back. He's also averaged uh, 33 routes run per game. So we know he's got receiving prowess, but 33 routes per game, that's more than A.J. Green or Julio Jones. So he's outpacing some elite wide receiver play. Um, the only small concern you could say you have for Le'Veon Bell is that he has a new offensive coordinator this year. So for the first time in his career, he won't have Todd Haley. But I'm not concerned at all with Le'Veon Bell. And look, Eddie... Eddie's is uh, he's the greatest running back on the greatest team in the AFC. <laughs> Well, we know Eddie is a Steeler head,
0: clearly, but, but he does make a good point or at least a fairly decent one. And I'll tell you why. And that's mainly just like in, when you're looking for a house or you're looking for a property, what's the main thing that they talk about every time that's location, location, location. And when it comes to Le'Veon Bell, it's all about usage, usage, usage. All right. He's getting so many touches each and every single year. I do not think that that will go down. I actually think that will go up knowing that the Pittsburgh Steelers do not want to pay Le'Veon Bell. You know, he they don't want to pay him as much as he wants to make. They'll franchise tag him one more year. They've already said that they like uh, Connor coming out after him. They said he, they remind him of Le'Veon Bell actually. And Le'Veon Bell came out and said that. So why would they not use him up and then release him and then turn over the reins uh, to Connor? But here's why you should also choose Le'Veon Bell, because he is finished as a top three at the running back position four out of six years. If that's not consistent at the running back position, I don't know what is. Okay, so not only is he consistent from year to year, but he's also consistent week to week. And last year he put up 75 percent of his games were RB1 games. So that's that's exactly what you're looking back uh, looking for. When you're drafting a running back in the first round, you want something that will return your value as close as possible when you're near the top. Only game he has finished outside of the top 24 at his position last year was week one. And we all know it was because he was coming back from his holdout. The Steelers wanted to punish him a little bit, so they only gave him a total of 18 touches. So that is the reason why he finished outside the top 24. This year, I don't see him doing the same thing. I I think this is the second year that they're going to franchise, and and they're just going to use him and then get rid of him. I don't see anything changing for Le'Veon Bell this year, and that's why he is our consensus number one, is because you can't deny the efficiency, unlike the second guy that we're going to talk about here. Travis, I'll let you talk first because... This comes from your, your team that you got a lot of flack for this past week because you were wearing their hat, and that's yeah. Todd Gurley.
1: Yeah, so my second team, if you will, my homer team, uh, being out here in the Los Angeles, greater Los Angeles area, is the Los Angeles Rams. So you look at the, the engine that made the Rams run last year, and that was Todd Gurley. He was second place in MVP ro- voting, and he led all positions in fantasy points per game last year. The knock coming into last year was, can Gurley be that dual threat? Well, he answered with a resounding yes as he amassed a whopping 788 receiving yards last year. He led the NFL in yards from scrimmage and in touchdowns. He had 13 rushing touchdowns and six receiving. If you look at the Renaissance under McVay, and you talk about him being that engine that I spoke about, he led the league in both percentage of his team's offensive yards with 36.2%, and percentage of his team's touchdowns with 42.2%. They know who the bread and butter of this offense is, and that is Todd Gurley, and they, similar to Le'Veon Bell, are going to continue to use him. My only concern is that he's only had the one elite season, but I think that has more to do with Jeff Fisher than Todd Gurley. As you see, Sean McVay gets in and gets him 64 um, Catches and that's more or that's the same amount he got in two years under Jeff Fisher. So I think that Todd Gurley is has made or uh, has put himself in the elite at the position. And I I see him continuing to do so next year. I'm going to
0: talk about why I have my concerns and why he is ranked number two above or sorry, not above Le'Veon Bell. But if you don't like our arguments, I'm going to do a little shout out to John Credit wrote a really good face off article that we just posted this past week about these two running backs and which one you should choose. He gives you pros and cons to each player and then gives you advice on who he would draft. But I'm going to tell you why I have him at the number one. And that is because not because the uses won't be there. He'll still get a lot of usage like you talked about. He's going to be the guy. They're going to run that offense through him. But and also, if you had this guy on your roster last year in the playoffs, you should have won your league. He had the most points during weeks 14 through 16 than anybody has ever had, including quarterbacks with 107. That's just amazing. He had 19 total touchdowns last year, which is one of the main reasons why I don't think he'll repeat as the top rusher that I do expect that to go down he had six six of those 19 touchdowns we were receptions out of the backfield i don't perceive that happening again and if you look at where he finished he finished number 1 last year overall of any fan, um out of any running back the last time a rusher and the NFL went back to back for fantasy was back in 2006, 2007. Travis, you have any idea you want to take a guess, a gander at who that was?
1: Mm, Jamal Charles.
0: No, but it was very close. It was, Jamal was a year after, but he only had one. It was LaDainian Tomlinson was mm. the last guy to repeat. And that's why I lose confidence. I, I play the gambling of will this happen? What are the likelihood of? this running back doing what he did last year. And I've downgraded all those things. I'm not trying to say don't draft him. I'm not trying to say he's not going to be a good running back for you or a top 10. I'm just saying if I have the number one pick, I'm going
1: elsewhere than I think Todd I think we're kind of splitting hairs here. I think if you're in multiple leagues, you're probably going to take maybe Le'Veon.
0: Well, <laughs> we have to split hairs here. It's <laughs> the number one and number two overall pick. I know, but I'm
1: just saying like, I think you're going to – and, and you're, you and I will be in multiple leagues. I think if we have the number one pick in multiple leagues, we're going to try and get a share of each yes, guy. Absolutely. That's good that's point. That, point.
0: That's a very valid point. Yeah. Good job. Okay. Okay.
1: All right. So, coming up next
0: at number three overall, Travis, I'm going to kick this one off with Ezekiel Elliott, and I'm going to tell you why I'm going to kick this one off. Because a little whisper between me and you, I personally – If I have the number one pick, I am heavily, heavily debating on whether or not to take Ezekiel Elliott over Le'Veon Bell, and here's why. Through Week 10, and yes, I said Week 10, because I realize that you're going to say that, oh, he was suspended in Week 9, so why are you using Week 10? Well, still, even after Week 10, Ezekiel Elliott was still the number two running back through the league. Now, remember, he also had a bye during that week as well. So that makes it even more impressive. He still finished as the running back 10, despite being suspended for six games. He only finished a week worse than RB2 one time in his entire career. You are getting amazing value and you know what you're getting with Ezekiel Elliott. My only concern is that they may give the Cowboys, you know, the Cowboys um, have a, a, a very difficult run schedule this year. That's the eighth most difficult. Um, and there are whispers about Tavon Austin potentially taking 12 to 24 touches in Dallas, which I don't think is going to get anywhere close to 24. But let's say it, it's eight. I think eight is a realistic number. That's eight touches away from Ezekiel Elliott. And that's the only downside I see in drafting Ezekiel Elliott. But to be honest with you, Tavon Austin has never really been anything. It's all been hype for him. So I'm not concerned with any of those. Travis, go ahead and tell me or try to convince me why I am wrong.
1: I think you're wrong in the respect that Zeke belongs at the number one pick over Gurley or Le'Veon Bell. And I'll say this only because... Uh, he is, does not have the receiving prowess of either of these guys. Now, that's not to say he can't get there. And let's be honest, his usage was at 85.5% of team snaps. So it didn't really matter because he's paced the league in rushing. Um, but my my thing is really that what you heard from Todd Gurley last year after not being a receiving back was, I'm going to come into training camp and catch on the ball machine way after practice and put in the work that it takes to be a receiving back. I have not heard anything, and it's still early in this offseason. I have not heard stories from Zeke that he's working on this part of his game, especially you think that you'd be hearing it now after Dez and Witten have left. But we'll see. He's got time in this offseason to do it. Now, I do think that he belongs in the top. I do think that he belongs in the top four. He's got an elite run blocking line. He's led the NFL in rushing yards per game over the last two years. If you think about since 2016, he's amassed 1,616 yards, and he's second to only Le'Veon Bell by six yards, and he missed six games last year. I mean, that's the point is we, we can talk about the receiving a little bit, and I just brought it up, but his yardage as far as a running back they're astronomical. So I love him. I just think that his lack of usage in the passing game is the only reason that once again, I think we're splitting hairs between these three. And, you know, we're going to talk about David Johnson next. There's three guys that have proven they're in the receiving categories and he just hasn't done it yet. Not saying he can't do it. Cause I think he has all the talent in the world to do it. All right. I think, I think you're just hating, but it seems that
0: everyone is pairing with you on the the comments so that's fine i'll take i'll take him at listen
1: ranking a running back at number three is not hating so uh, I, mean, I think i think we both you, agree you're on talking about a guy you but you're if you're a,
0: hold on you're talking about a guy who is more god girly more consistent than Le'Veon bell in terms of how many times that he's an RB one and RB two? He doesn't bust
1: like ever. I I just said he only busted. time on Bell's average is twenty two point nine points per game. Okay, or, I'm sorry. And, I'm sorry. Twenty one point nine points per game. He is the only person to do that in the last five years. Right. Only, I understand he's that, only, but only one he's other going, ever done it. So he's. I mean, I know there's a lot of things about a Le different Bell. tier between like. Le'Veon bell and zeke i'm now i think that zeke can get are we, there are we gonna are we gonna do a you
0: want to do a bet here do we want to uh, do a whisper bet here
1: yeah i'm down all right yeah. Yeah. we're going we'll we're finish ahead of zeke this all year and right. yeah easy
0: and standard loser buys the other oh person. you're afraid
1: you're afraid of ppr now because you're afraid oh, of the receiving from zeke
0: no, I'm not afraid of receiving from Z. All right, I'll okay. do that. Okay, Across you know all formats. Okay,
1: across <laughs> all. What do you average them out like? What? No, I'm just saying, like in all in all different styles. Okay, Half point, point, okay, everything. That's fine.
0: All right, the loser buys the winner beer, uh, a beer,
1: and has to drink it on the show. Done. All right, deal.
0: I don't have a. I need to come up with a whisper deal or something. I don't know. Yeah, we'll get it. If you're listening right now and you have an idea of what we should make our bets, what the name of our bets will be, we will we will name it that if you give us a good enough name.
1: You give us the name and your name is chosen, we'll give you a free t-shirt, fancy whispers t-shirt.
0: Boom, that just happened. All right. Talking about just happening.
1: Look at Hannon's calling out the beer bet. Yes. But we said you got to chug it on the air. It's like the beer challenge.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So let's jump in to the guy, the man, the myth, the legend that I got on the wall right here. Yeah, David Johnson. Travis, I'm going to let you go first cuz I'm a gentleman and wow. And David Johnson is my my hometown boy. So,
1: I, I think want- that we might be in agreement on David Johnson as probably the most exciting back and a huge value here at the top end of this first round. This is we're talking about a guy that was, you know, a consensus number one last year turning around and is now, you know, ADP at four. The guy was a complete beast in 2016 and was 121 receiving yards shy of a thousand and a thousand, which is a very big deal, especially when you're talking about fantasy purposes. But he's been vocal about reaching that thousand and thousand goal, So that's interesting to see. There are some stats out there about fullbacks and uh, the use of them. And now for the first time since college, David Johnson will be having a fullback as Arizona's committed to that. He's in a contract year, so you have that narrative working for him. And uh, there is the small concern is as of today, he's holding out. We spoke about that a little bit. But if we're hearing two stories out of Arizona from the coaching staff, there's two. One is that running is the key to success in the NFL and two is that DJ has looked great and he's flying around the field. So for me, um, I would love to be in the position at four or even three or, you know, God forbid at five where you could get uh, David Johnson. My two small concerns would be the offensive line issues that they had last year in Arizona. They were pro football focuses number 31 line uh, in their rankings that they do every year. And I think we both believe Sam Bradford may not end up the starting quarterback at the end of the year and inconsistent quarterback play could hinder him. But I think if they, you know, like I said, if Arizona sticks to this, you know, vocal or their vocalness about being committed to the run, uh, David Johnson should have a monster year.
0: All right. So can you please just answer me this? Okay. What's the difference between last year and this year with David Johnson.
1: Well, I think that Todd Gurley jumped into the conversation as a receiving, running, uh, uh, pass catching running back. Okay,
0: but did Todd Gurley have as good of? A hey, you're season you're as the David one. Johnson? You're the one
1: who's got Zeke ahead of DJ. So hey, I mean,
0: so this is why I'm saying that you had mentioned it. I think that DJ is the best value in the whole draft, and that's because last year he was going at number one. And then all of a sudden, like it wasn't, he didn't injure any of his lower body. It was a wrist, which he took almost a year to recover. So it's definitely ready to go. And then all of a sudden you're telling me that he's going to be the number four pick or possibly like you alluded to the number five pick. I'm not doubting you, Travis. I'm just saying, I think it's kind of crazy that the value that you can get now at that number, potentially number four spot or number five spot is David Johnson he to is to rel- be fair,
1: Bruce Arians is gone. Carson Palmer is gone, and okay. uh, they've changed coaches. So I'm just saying, okay, you're asking but, what's different. I'm, I'm just throwing okay, it out. but
0: okay, I'll I'll address those in just a second. Okay, he has relatively young legs. We got to remember that in his rookie year, he wasn't used that much. If you watched um, the the show on Amazon Prime, uh, All or Nothing, you saw how much he didn't, he was like, oh, I got to hold him back because I don't want him to get too egotistical. And therefore, he didn't give him a lot of touches. And then in his second year, he exploded. And then in this past year, he got injured on the first game. So relatively like game miles, he doesn't have a lot like you do with uh, David, uh, with Le'Veon Bell, with Todd Gurley. They, these guys have a ton of mileage on them. And they have really bad injuries on them. Whereas David Johnson is just a wrist injury. And then you talked about the offensive line. Yes, I understand that they were really bad last year, but you got to remember, we had uh, Chris Humphreys was just getting acclimated to his left tackle position. You had Mikey Potty out, which is one of the best run blockers of two years ago. We picked up Puig from the Giants, and we picked up Smith from the Bengals. So that offensive line is going to be a lot better. And then you talked about the new coaching staff and you you brought up Bradford, which I love that you brought up Bradford, because what is what is Sam Bradford? We joke about it all the time, right? He's injury prone. Well, what better way to protect a running back or a quarterback than to turn around and hand the ball off 30 times a game? So that doesn't discourage me at all. And in fact, it makes me more excited that they have Sam Bradford in there because I think there's going to be even more touches For David Johnson, because of it, and then you're talking about inconsistency with Josh, uh, with our with our number one uh, overall pick with the the Cardinals and Josh Rosen. Okay, I'm uh, I live in Arizona, as you can tell, I'm a huge Arizona Cardinals fan, and I will tell you this: that I am I daily listen to sports talk radio. Shout out to Burns and Gambo; he gives us a lot of insiders. Follow him on on um, on Twitter. All the news that is coming out about Josh Rosen is they're, they can't believe their eyes. They're like, this guy, how did other teams pass up on this guy? He is going to be a top quarterback in this league. So I'm not worried about the drop-off at all. In fact, I'm actually more intrigued about Josh Rosen being under center than I am about with uh, Mr. Break-a-Leg over there and, and uh, um, Sam Bradford. Excuse me, I couldn't think of his name for a second. But, okay, so Hannon is saying st- stack the box. Well, hi, Jeff. He's um, saying uh, stack the box. I don't think you could do that, though, because you have Sam Bradford back there who can, who can actually is very, very accurate with his passes. So I'm not concerned about them stacking the box because if that's the case, fine, we'll take the dink and dunks because Sam Bradford is extremely accurate. So for me, David Johnson is the, the top, one of the best bargains in this draft. Also, top on there, the fact that his whole goal this year is to get 1,000 receiving yards and 1,000 rushing yards. That's motivation on top of, like you said, the contract negotiations. He's going to be super motivated. Best bargain in the first round. You heard it here first. Whisper, whisper. Okay, let's move on. I think I had enough of him. I need to catch my breath. after. Yeah. Googling and Gaga over my Johnny's boy, uh, about to
1: pass out. <laughs> right. about the tell, him, half
0: hour. tell him why uh, people should be so confident in Alvin Kamara and drafting them,
1: and why last year wasn't just a fluke, Travis. Uh, well, there's some things that catch your eye with Alvin Kamara other than his stats from last year, and that's the way he moves on the field. If you look at Pro Football Focus, who are uh, they provide us with a lot of stats that we love. Uh, you guys should check them out as well. They have him graded as their most elusive back, and he's the only one to post a single season above 96.3 in the last 12 years. He is the most elusive back in the last 12 years with a rating of 108.5. So nobody's gotten over the 96 threshold. He's got it by about 12 points. So. I mean, I'm just talking about a guy that is a -a one-of-a-kind talent. Sean Payton knows it. We all know it. And this guy was elite last year. He was targeted 96 times. He caught 81 of those targets. He racked up 826 receiving yards. And 703 of those yards, Johnny, were after the catch. So he did the work on these things. Five receiving touchdowns. He averaged 10 yards per reception and 6.1 yards per carry. So he can do both. I just think if, they, if Ingram's out, they're going to realize how special, again, Kamara is. They're going to need him to have this kind of production to keep that running game at par with what it was last year. Was New Orleans last year an aberration, or is Sean Payton brilliant at utilizing his weapons? I'm going to go with the latter, and Alvin Kamara will have four games without Ingram, which should only mean more usage. He can say all he wants. I think it's just a bunch of hot air that he's blowing when he's got such a a talented guy in Alvin Kamara sitting there.
0: All right, well, an interesting stat to me is that I like to look at the number of carries he had after – they released or traded away Adrian Peterson. And it was a little bit shocking to know that there were, I was expecting a lot of carries after that. And he only had 151 after week five. He never touched the ball more than 20 times in a game. So one has to wonder why was he so successful and that he had a whopping 0.56 points per opportunity, Travis, And that's on par with a lot of the quarterbacks per snap, which is insane, giving the small amount of carries that he had compared to his fantasy output. Travis, what's my favorite game in Vegas? Craps. Hello? Is it craps? Yes, it is, sir. It is craps. And I'll tell you what. In craps, when you see snake eyes, I'm not the type of person who doubles down and puts a little bit money on the hard ways, okay? And that's the same goes for Kamara and why I'm nervous to draft him this year. This The Ingram suspension does help, but I keep reverting back to why would they not feed Ingram once he comes back? Kamara is the future. Ingram isn't. He's going to be a free agent after this year. It kind of goes back to the Le'Veon Bell thing. Why wouldn't they use him up and then and save Alvin Kamara for next season when they could just let Ingram go. Plus, Peyton has said, unlike you don't believe it, but I believe some of this with the amount of running backs that they're bringing in and the type of running backs that they're bringing in are a lot like Ingram, which makes me think that what he's saying has some truth to it. Now, am I saying that Alvin Kamara is going to get five touches a game? No, I don't. But do I think they're going to keep him under 20 a game? I do. Alvin Kamara is, a tr- is truly one of those guys that I would say, if you told me at the end of the season, he finished as a top three running back, I would not be shocked at all. I would say, sounds about right. Now, However, if you said Alvin Kamara was a back of the end RB2, I also wouldn't be shocked. I would say, all right, I could see that the data was kind of showing that. So, and and that was kind of what my hunch was. I mean, was. I think it
1: depends on what data you're looking at. You're talking about the points per opportunity. I'm talking about the fact the guy averaged 6.1 yards per carry and right. 10 yards per reception. And like, he was, he was a stud. That's why, yeah, I think it's going to be close. I think it's probably maybe, what, dip to 5 yards per carry, 8 yards per reception. That Those are still monster numbers. We're talking about a one-of-a-kind talent mm-hmm. here. Not Pro Football get above Focus high. has him as the best said, most elusive back in the last 12 years he won't get last five, years. He, won't,
0: he won't get over 5 yards a carry that's you know you know and I know that that's astronomical
1: i don't know cuz we've never seen anybody like this in 12 years so <sighs> all right you keep yeah. betting
0: on these once in a lifetime generational players that doing
1: whatever they do Johnny, Mirage we have him ranked like over it, we, and over again. Just, just so everybody's aware, we both have him ranked at the same spot. So it's I not know, like Johnny I, disagrees I with want, me here.
0: I want people to be cautious and know what they're drafting into and not just say, oh, last year's pie in the sky is going to happen again because when that happens, people are going to get disappointed. They're going to get down, and that's when they make mistakes What makes in more traits.
1: sense to you, Terrence West acting more like Mark, Mark Ingram did last year or Alvin Kamara being more like Alvin Kamara was last year?
0: I'm not saying t- Terrence West doesn't have to be Tim Hightower. Any of these r- I veterans. I think he can be Tim Hightower. 100%. Behind that line, yes, he can be Tim Hightower. And we saw Tim, Tim Hightower,
1: Hightower. Tim Hightower can repeat Mark Ingram's numbers from last year. You're you That's, insane. that's yes. all I'm saying. I, yeah,
0: another w- no. wager with sir. You don't want to bet. I'll bet on this one. What are we betting? Another beer chug what are I we saying say, i will say what he is will not be above bet? he will not be above 5 yards per carry average.
1: i will say that alvin kamara will finish in the top 10 at the position we'll split no, we'll, we'll because, split the difference you said no. he could be a, you said Absolutely. he could be an rb1 or a top 5 at the position or he could be a rb2 like 25th at the position
0: I'm not saying that I'm saying that I'm I think that he can do that, but I'm saying that what his project you're saying, oh, he can repeat six point one yards per carry. I'm saying he cannot. I'm saying he can't even come close. I will bet he will not go over five yards per carry next next season. OK, is it a bet? Are we, do yeah, we got number two? Good. All right. We got number two. Whisper bet. Whisper whisper is per
1: yard per carry will be over
0: five yards. I I get, no, I didn't say I didn't say, the say, say last career. Year. No. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely not? not. Why not? No,
0: Cuz I'm not betting on career average. I'm saying next year, which is what I've been saying all along, he's gonna go down in yards per carry. 6.1 is not obtainable. He will go down. So if you want to bet me on the yards per carry going down to 5 for next season, I will gladly take that bet. Yeah, that's
1: fine. Whatever. All right. All oh, I'm saying is, bet, Alvin is a stud, and Johnny's trying to say he's not, even though he ranked him as a stud. So. No, he's
0: okay. a stud. I'm just, yeah, I'm just sure. letting the people know. So tell Why? me,
1: tell the people how much you hate Kareem Hunt. Then <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, this
0: isn't gonna sound good. All right, so what we don't know about Kareem Hunt, I'll start there because I think it's very, very important uh, to let the people know what we know so far, and that is. Mm-hmm. He still has an open investigation going on with he just so he had um, uh, an incident back in February where it was a domestic violence case um, where he shoved a girl. Now, there are two sides of the story. He's saying he didn't touch her. She's saying he did. The interesting thing that will be uh, that will uh, develop in this story would be. Is there evidence because it happened in an apartment complex? So if there's video evidence similar that came out that showed Ray Rice a few years ago of of Kareem Hunt shoving this girl, then you can see a big six game suspension coming. Also, that's not even talking about the most recent one that was in the in the papers a few weeks ago. And that was he had punched a, a, a guy at a bar. So that's two violent acts that he's committed within the last few months. So we've seen similar um, things happen with other athletes and they got a four game suspension. So I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm going to project that he's going to get probably a four game suspension. Now I understand that there was no evidence or no, nothing filed, but generally the NFL does side on the, on the side of caution after the Ray, right? So I expect them to do the same here. And I think the minimum, it'll be a two-game suspension. Max, it'll be a four. Um, Unless that video comes out, like I said, then we could be looking at six. Okay, so, but my other question is, how healthy is Spencer Ware? He had a pretty horrific injury last year. Uh, PCL and uh, ACL were torn. And there's been no real news come out at how healthy Spencer Ware is, which is a little concerning to me as far as if he does, if Green Hunt, is suspended. Who's going to be the backup there? Now they did take um, the Cardinals' running back Kerwin Williams, which I could tell you they also took
1: Damian Williams too. Yeah,
0: so both of those guys are are definitely guys that can fill in while a suspension is occurring, and it does almost make me think that um, that Spencer Ware is not going to be healthy enough to start the season. Here's what we do know: Travis Hunt is very, very good. And he saw, we saw that last season in his first three games where he had an 89 points combined in those three games. Andy Reid isn't known to be an RBBC or running back coach. Andy Reid is always stuck to one kind of guy. Um, when he goes with a guy, he stays with them until that guy is kind of not being effective. And then he'll switch out. But he always stays with kind of one running back. Andy Reid's running backs over the last 19 years have finished as an RB1 ten times out of those 19 years. So right now, based on the news that I read about the the violent, the the domestic violence and the other altercation that happened, I do think that there will be a suspension. Although I will even say with that aside, he's a little bit too concerned, uh concerning just with other things that are moving around there and and personal stuff. So I have him as a risky running back at the end of the round uh, end of round 1. However, if it does come out where he's not not suspended at all, then I would be super confident in drafting him um at this spot we have him which is 6 overall.
1: Yeah, there. he's definitely a guy you're scratching your head on in that first round, especially with the looming suspension. We've seen before, as in Ezekiel Elliott's case, the NFL doesn't care what the law says. Um, so you mentioned the February incident, the incident in June. Um, acting as if there is no suspension, uh, Kareem Hunt is a no-doubt first-rounder, in my posi- uh, poti- uh, and he has potential to be in the top five. Um, He has come into training camp talking about his receiving prowess and how he is going to work on this. And, you know, with those guys behind him, he's going to have the competition to do so. Um, So I think that that would light a fire under him. It is a bit of a tale of two halves with Kareem hunt. You look at how his, uh, his play dipped in a seven game stretch that had, that saw the offensive line suffer some injuries and he failed to gain a hundred yards in any of those games. But when the line was healthy and he, and they were playing well. He had five straight games of 100 or more yards. So like we said, the talk from OTAs is that he's working on his receiving. We talked about Andy Reid. I think that barring the suspension, he's a, a guy you're confident in. And, um, you know, I just want to make a note here. Chris Hannon had a comment here. Ugh, These guys need to stop talking about this domestic violence. I find it really upsetting. We got to continue to talk about guys that are doing this. I really Absolutely. hope that this is a trend that goes the other way. Uh we're trying to yep. talk about fantasy football and we got to keep talking about guys and and their and what they're doing off the field. I'm hoping that the league will do something to educate and help these guys get the help that they need to get away from doing things like this. So Very with that well being said. said, let's let's go talk about the guy you're probably most excited about in the first round, Saquon Barkley coming in at a uh, unanimous 7 spot.
0: Oh man, I could, I think I'm the most hyped about Saquon Barkley heading into this year's draft. And I can only sum it up by saying my this part for Saquon, uh, Saquon Barkley is just pure love, okay? <laughs> I think he's going to get so many touches that he's just a surefire RB1. Even though they play the fourth hardest schedule for running backs, let's just give them a 3.3 yards per carry I think with the volume, the ability to catch out of the backfield, and the lack of depth behind him, he, you can slot him as an RB1. We need to remember, a few years ago, a guy named Trent Richardson, yeah, he averaged 3.6 yards per carry, and yet he was still able to get an RB1 return. I see that as the floor. And I'm, and that makes me excited. I know that I'm going to get good value when I'm drafting Saquon Barkley, Travis.
1: Yeah, I I don't have much. I don't think we differ very much on this. In fact, Saquon's going to jump a bit with the Kareem hunt news if that comes out. And if Alvin Kamara, um, he could easily be right in the mix above Alvin Kamara. Um, Plenty of running back receiving work to be had in with the Giants. They had the sixth most targets to and receptions by running backs last year. So you're like, oh, wait, there's a regime change. Well, under Pat Shermer last year, the Vikings had the second most carries by running backs. So there is going to be usage there. And last year at Penn State, he excelled in receiving with one point nine yards per route run. Uh, Saquon Barkley was also a very physical runner and he averaged 3.4 yards per carry after contact, as well as 35 broken tackles on 200 carries. Johnny, you're familiar with Todd McShay over at ESPN? I am, in fact. He does, he does the draft. One my, he's one of my best friends. He follows me on Twitter. I don't know about all that. <laughs> I thought you only had one follower, and that was Carson Wentz, but uh, who do I know? Oh, man, I would, you know I would like that. So Todd McShay has compared Saquon against all other backs that he's profiled in his career at ESPN. And he has Barkley at number two, only behind Adrian Peterson in all of his time with ESPN. So we're talking about Marshawn Lynch, Ezekiel Elliott, some of these other uh, guys that have come through that have been great draft prospects and become great runners. Only AP has come in. The only minor concern I have would be pass blocking. But once again, with his elite skill, receiving skills, he is likely to remain a high volume playmaker for the Giants going forward. Another guy that's a high-volume playmaker is Melvin Gordon. He comes in at our number eight uh, with the Los Angeles Chargers. Tell me a little bit about him, Johnny.
0: All right. So I know that everyone wants to talk about his underwhelming yards per carry. And, yes, I'll agree that it's it's when you first look at it, it's pretty abysmal. It's 3.8. And I'm here to tell all of you guys, all of our listeners, don't worry about that, and I'll tell you why. Because a lot of the reason why his yards per carry is so low is because they give him the ball. He's so good at short yardage situations that they give him the ball all the time when it's you know first and goal from the one or third and one or fourth and one. And they load teams load the box, and he doesn't get a lot of yards on those carries. So you're, that will definitely bring down the yards per carry. Only four times in the last two years, he didn't finish the week as an RB1 or an RB2. Looking to get that money, just like David Johnson, he is motivated as anyone to really succeed this year. The Chargers face the seventh easiest running back schedule, according to Pro Football Focus and under defense, uh, underrated defense in L.A., I would say both of the LA defenses are underrated this year. And but I'm talking about the Chargers here. I think they're underrated and they're gonna dominate teams. They're gonna the the offense for San Diego or sorry, LA Chargers is very potent. And so therefore I, I see a lot of points being scored, and then I see a lot of being up by a lot. So I'm to just gonna turn around and hand it off to Melvin Gordon and get him even more touches. Tell me, tell me what you're thinking. If you yeah, agree,
1: disagree. You talked about Le'Veon Bell being the usage, usage, usage back. There. Yeah. Melvin Gordon is making a case himself. He averages 22 touches over the last two years, and that's only two less than Le'Veon Bell's five-year mark at 24. So yeah. he was in on 75% of his team's snaps, and he accounted for 76% of the total running back touches over the last two years. <laughs> um he also averaged 3.4 yard or 3.4 receptions and 30 yards over that span. So the receiving that he's getting, which is just a little bonus, creates a nice floor for Melvin Gordon. And over the, his last 30 games, he's rushed for 18 touchdowns. So he's not just doing it with the yardage with his usage. He's scoring. He has effectiveness at the goal line. If we're looking at him. Talking about those targets in the receiving game, he finished as seventh at the end of last year in running back targets with 73. So he's within the top 10 of targets, and he's also watched his carries increase every year. 184 carries as a rookie, 254 in 2016, and last year he had 284. I wouldn't be surprised if he dips into the 290 and 300 uh, carry mark this year. The concern has been the yards per carry and a little bit of an injury concern. But I think if you're talking about a surefire bail cow, which there aren't many left in the league, uh, he is one of them.
0: Hannon has a question here. What about Austin Eckler? You- once again,
1: I'm not I'm not concerned. There was usage last year with Eckler, but once again, you had Melvin Gordon finish, even with Eckler's use and Melvin Gordon's injuries, you had Mel, uh, Melvin Gordon finishing at seventh in RB targets. So, he's yeah. still a guy they love to use in the passing game, no matter right. who uh, they can bring in as a change of pace. Yep. I'm a, all right. So let's jump into our number nine running
0: back, and that's Leonard Fournette. Travis, are you concerned with this, the random sitting and the amount of missed games that Leonard Fournette had last year? Are you cleaning the slate with that and saying this year is a new year? I think he learned his lesson.
1: Well, I was kind of concerned, but actually another nice news note today was he wants to get back to his college weight of 240. He came in at 228 last year, and his concern, uh, they have all of the guys over there in the media at Jacksonville are saying that he's coming in leaner this year. So if he gets to that 240 mark and it's more muscle, I like him to be a guy. I think that last year a lot of the sitting and some of the things that happened were due to uh, his conditioning and i feel like if he comes in a little bit leaner he can he he'll be better conditioned but if you're talking about a guy at at 228 that was doing things like going against the stacked box at 49 percent of his carries and still had 1040 yards and nine touchdowns i mean imagine what he's going to do at 240 uh he averaged 23 touches per game and finished as the eighth best running back in all of last year Uh, The Jaguars led the league in running back carries last year and finished fifth in fantasy points per rush. So like the usage is there, they're going to continue to pound the rock, especially with their defense and especially with Blake Bortles inconsistencies. Uh, My concern is more the ankle issues, but I think if you're going to get Leonard Fournette, it's in these first few years before those ankle issues really catch up to him. And so I think this is the time to cash in on a guy like Leonard Fournette.
0: All right, I think that Chris Hannon. I'm I'm putting this up again because prime candidate for a sophomore slump. I I agree, and I will tell you why. Okay, he had yes, he had one of the best four game stretches last year in scoring 85 fantasy points from week three to from week three to week six. Ten out of the 16 weeks, he finished as an RB two or better, which you really really like, and only completely busted. So that's an RB four or worse two times last season. So you're asking me, how does this equate to him having a regression? I know that that's what you're thinking right now. Aren't you, Travis? Well, I'm going to tell you, no. okay, I'm going to tell you the downside is that he gets injured often. We've seen this in college. We saw it again last year. He didn't play in three games. Like I said before, and then there was like a random healthy scratch on a Sunday morning when we well, was a random, and... he
1: missed a team picture. Well, so we okay. know exactly why he oh. we know exactly why he missed that. game. All right. So let's say he does it again.
0: I I mean, who's to say? He, I don't know if he's going to or not. OK, but that's a concern that you're going to have to deal <laughs> with. OK, um, and then he only finished as an RB one five times last season. Ultimately, I think he's an RB two with upside that is currently going in the late first round. And I think that's just too risky for me. I would at that tail end, you're looking at elite. Wide receivers in most cases, because those fall, you're looking at an Odell Beckham or you're looking at uh, a Julio Jones. Maybe maybe at the Julio Jones is where you start to ponder which one you're going to take. But ultimately, I think the price is just too expensive for Leonard Fournette. All
1: right. Yeah, you have a point about ADP being where he would have to finish kind of to retain that value. I think for me, Jacksonville's line it was good last year, and it only improved – uh, over the offseason and the 23 touches per game and the fact that Jacksonville was in, among the league leaders in running back carries and points per. I, I just feel like with a league, once again, the Melvin Gordon point in a league with not very many bell cows, he is a bell cow.
0: All right. And last but not least, Dalvin Cook, Travis, explain to the people why they should be infatuated with Dalvin Cook as much as you and I.
1: Well, before the ACL injury last year, he was on pace for 340 touches, which would have put him around the same usage as Melvin Gordon, LaShawn McCoy, and other bell cows. I see no reason the Vikings wouldn't continue this kind of usage, especially after Jarek McKinnon has exited. In the four games he played, he rushed for 350 yards, two touchdowns, had 11 receptions for 90 yards receiving. He had a yard per carry average of 4.78. The sample size is small. But um, you think about the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Vikings and these teams with awesome defenses. They love to play to the defense and play time clock management. I imagine they're going to continue to do that even with Kirk Cousins. And in fact, Cousins should increase Cook's outlook based on the fact that they will keep drives alive and he will be able to convert in the um, getting into the red zone. So I like Dalvin Cook. I think um, you know he's ahead of schedule based on all the reports. And I think that he's a nice guy to get at the end of that round or as a guy you could double up with maybe a riskier play, like you were saying in Leonard Fournette.
0: Right. And I like that pairing. So he's got the third easiest strength of schedule for running back, which you've got to really like. I do expect him to get a lot of checkdowns out of the backfield. We've seen it before with Kirk Cousins, uh, and I think it'll happen again. He has to focus, though, on hauling in those passes. He had a ton of drop balls last season uh, coming out of the backfield where he was just kind of worried about what the cornerback was doing or what the linebacker was doing instead of really watching the ball into his basket and his bread basket and scoring us those lovely, lovely fantasy points. Um, so if he works on that, which I think he will, uh, he truly has the the home home run ability that we love in fantasy running backs, right? Like he can give you that 50 yard burst for a touchdown. He can get you that swing pass out of the backfield for 30 yards and a touchdown. Some might be worried about Murray, Latavius Murray back there, but I'm not. Don't read into that. This guy is not someone that is going to affect Dalvin Cook. We saw it last season in the first few games. It wasn't it was an afterthought Latavius Murray until Dalvin Cook got injured. So don't worry about him. I absolutely you're talking about another guy that I love where his draft position is. Like you said, it's at the back end of the first round. I think he's an absolute steal there because you're looking at a really high end potential running back as well as being able to flip around and possibly getting either uh, pairing it with another Potentially high running back if Melvin Gordon falls, or um, or like we said, Leonard Fournette, or pairing him with an elite wide receiver that are usually falling right around there. So definitely love Dalvin Cook this year. Definitely hope he's on a lot of my teams. All right, Travis, we have come to the end of. Oh, thank you guys so much for joining in again. If you didn't catch this live, go ahead and check us out on YouTube or on. Facebook live again this you can replay this as well as catch us on iTunes Google Play or Stitcher the show will be up shortly Travis you have any last words for
1: the people Uh, I just want to say thank everybody uh thank you to everybody who stuck with us even with the technical difficulties tonight and I want to encourage you guys all to check out the website we have face-off articles coming and also YouTube Please subscribe and get on YouTube. We have the Mock Draft Mondays coming out every Monday. And my mom just said a big hello, uh, Tara Short. Love you, mama. And, uh, hey, Travis, ma. <laughs> and so thanks to everybody for sharing the, the podcast with everyone. And we love you guys. We couldn't have got to 500 downloads without you. We can't Absolutely. wait for 500 more.
0: Thank you guys so much. And like we said, if you want to earn a shout out on next week's show, go ahead and hit that share button. Peace. I'm Giant Game Time Hicks. That's Big Travy, and we're out. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.